Hey, welcome to the Telecom Corner Cafe podcast. I am your host, Sean Sheedy, and this is episode 10 already, but it's also the fourth episode of the topic of OTDRs, which we're going to be wrapping up here in episode 10 as well. So this episode is going to be kind of the OTDR grab bag wrap up episode for this topic. So we're going to talk about a variety of um, different applications and things that you'll need, starting with launch cords. And the reason for a launch cord, and this is a really common question with OTDRs, is why do I need one? Because it helps you get out in front of what you're testing. In other words, if you just took the connector on the end of the fiber that's plugged into the patch panel, plugged then the OTDR, as everybody knows at this point, as we've already discussed, you will have what they call a dead zone or a recovery zone. So there will be more of your actual cable plant that you will not be able to see until the OTDR settles down based on the amount of light, better known as pulse width, that you've selected. And you won't be able to see a certain amount of your cable plant that you've actually installed. When you're using a launch cord, you plug that into the OTDR, then plug the other end of the launch cord into the patch panel, and that absorbs, if you will, the dead zone is eaten up then within the launch cord, not in the actual under-test physical cable plant. So you don't lose any of the actual plant that you have installed into the raceway, the ground, the utility system, wherever it might be. Prior to using a launch cord, though, or even if you want to plug into a fiber directly, always clean the connectors. That is still one of the biggest problems with optical test equipment is not cleaning connectors before they're plugged in either as reference cords into test equipment or as test equipment launch cords. Dirty connectors cause a number of well-known issues such as reflectivity, contamination issues, but the lesser apparently known effect is that depending on the type of damage or contamination or sediment that might be on the connector end face, that can transfer to the OTDR and then over time can be ground into the interface on the connector end face in the OTDR, which at that point unfortunately means you get to have it replaced. And that is not a cheap process to have done. Continuing on with the use of launch cables and cleaning connectors is to also always pay very close attention to the color of the ring at the base of the input or interface on your OTDR. What does that mean? If your ring around the base of the interface is blue. That means you can plug in a UPC, SPC, or PC connector. So anything from an ultra-physical contact, super-physical contact, or a regular physical contact connector can be plugged in and intermate safely with the connector of the same type on the launch cord or the reference cords. If the color of that ring is green, that specifically indicates APC. And if you plug anything other than another APC to mate with that interface connector style, you will destroy, at minimum, the connector interface of the launch cord, which can be several hundred dollars, or you can destroy the interface of the OTDR because it'll basically act as a chisel because it's an angled connector. APC is angled physical contact, and it will basically take chunks out of or do physical damage to the connector itself. At that point, once again, you get to replace the interface of the OTDR, which is usually in the thousands of dollar price range. We've talked about measuring and reviewing and understanding 
understanding a number of different types of events, such as reflective events, which could be mechanical splices, which will be reflective because they have an index matching gel and the glass is not actually welded and forming one solid rod as it does in a fusion splice. There's actually two separate ends. So since it's an index matching gel, the reflection will be less than a traditional connector will be, but mechanical splices are considered still to be a reflective event. In the case of any types of connectors that are mating in adapters or any types of sleeves, those two will be reflective events. Now, the difference in those types of spikes and the heights of them that you will receive is what type of connectors are they? First of all, are they clean of contamination? The more contamination, the more reflective and the higher the spike. Are they just a PC polish connector that has a reflectivity value of negative 40? Are they SPC connectors that has a negative 50 reflectivity value? Or are they UPC with a negative 55 or APC with a negative 65 reflectivity value? So different types of connectors are less reflective than other types, which is the primary reason why we built all those different connector styles because there's certain applications that reflectivity is the primary detrimental effect. So in that case, when reflectivity is of primary concern, APC best, of course, at negative 65, followed by UPC is negative 55. And like we talked about in earlier episodes, the higher the reflectivity, meaning a negative 55, is better than a negative 50. A negative 65 is better than a negative 55. It's the opposite of our next topic that we'll get into in episode 11 of insertion loss. So in insertion loss, the lower the number, the happier you are. So a 0.17 dB example versus a 0.50 is less loss. 0.50 has more loss than 0.17 does. In reflectivity, the higher the number, the happier you are. Negative 65, for example, in the world of APC connectors is better than negative 40 is with just a baseline PC connector. However, these reflective events and then non-reflective events such as fusion splices are not the only types of events that you will see on an OTDR screen. Two things that seem to cause a lot of concerns or a lot of shock or surprises are gainers and ghosts. They're very different. Ghosts, for example, will have reflectivity to them, but will have no loss and will be replicated in specific exact distances from one another. And it's caused by high reflective connectors, dirt or contamination, or in some cases also unnecessarily high pulse width selections that can be factors for causing ghosts. And generally when you clean connectors that are extremely contaminated, properly adjust your pulse width for what you're testing at, those things normally go away. Ghosts can also appear out in the noise floor because they can be affected by or caused by a reflective end on the very end of the fiber or on the far end of the fiber that you're actually testing. And again, usually cleaning that connector or capping that connector will get rid of that ghost that's sitting there in the noise floor that shouldn't exist. Optical gainers, on the other hand, are caused by more of an intrinsic factor than an extrinsic factor. Extrinsic being things that we cause. We terminate, we clean, we splice. Intrinsically, it's caused by the manufacturer. It's the manufacturing process that either has an issue or has a incompatibility scenario. So in the optical gainer world, one of the things that has changed over the years, there are people, as far as they're concerned, a single mode core size is a random example, is 8.3 microns. That's what Corning and OFS refined the size limit to, and any variation of that can be a factor for gainers. What I mean by that is, let's say you have one leg of your fiber is Corning, the other leg is a different manufacturer pick, or one of your uh, manufacturer leg 
grades are OFS, and you have a different manufacturer to that. All manufacturers of single-mode fiber built very, very closely to the allowances and tolerances of the industry and never really want their product to be the cause of your problem. So if you have an inner mix of fiber manufacturers, you could have slight variances in the core. You could have, instead of 8.3 microns exactly, one could be 8.3 microns exactly, the other one could be 8.34. Or maybe you've got an 8.32 with an 8.36. Anything up to 9 micron is considered acceptable within the standard. But if you have variations, OTDRs, because they test by sending light through actual events, will interpret a wider opening from one to the other fiber. It interprets, that is, you've gained optical energy. You haven't, because it's not possible to gain optical energy in a passive system. But because it went from a smaller size to a larger size, it shows up as an optical gainer. If you were to switch your OTDR to the opposite end, and then it went from, let's say as an example, the 8.36, and let's say as an example from the 8.36 micron core to the 8.32 micron core, it will actually show up as an abnormal splice loss. This is one of the areas of OTDR testing that generates a lot of interpretive type issues. So when you had the OTDR going from the 8.32 to the 8.36, the event showed up as a gainer on your OTDR screen. Now that you have swapped ends and you're going from the 8.36 to the 8.32 core size, it's going to show up as an abnormal splice loss. The bidirectional testing that you're now doing is the solution to the issue. What shows up as a gain in one direction shows up as an abnormal splice loss in the opposite direction. You have to subtract one from the other to get the true loss of the splice. So that's the catch with optical gainers. And optical gainers can be caused by core variations. They can be caused by material mismatches. And regarding material mismatches, one of the fundamental flaws that a lot of people are under the assumption of is that there are only two types of fiber. And we talked about this very early on in our episodes. Yes, there's multi-mode and yes, there's single-mode fiber. Yes, it's very obvious if you've spliced multi-mode fiber to single-mode fiber or vice versa, you are going to see a significant variation that you don't want to see. But what most people don't realize is there's multiple types of multi-mode fiber and there's multiple types of single-mode fiber. And just because you're splicing all single-mode fiber, as an example, let's say you're splicing ITU-TG652D, which is low water peak single-mode fiber, and you're splicing that to ITU-TG655 single-mode fiber. Well, 655 was developed for longer applications and distance in 1550 and 1625 wavelengths. 652D was specifically designed for FTTX applications, 1310 and 1550 wavelengths. Material mismatches currently and down the road are going to continue to be a more and more significant issue with testing. That's something that hasn't been compensated for yet. A lot of people will install single mode fiber thinking it's all the same. It is very application and very manufactured specifically for particular wavelengths and applications. And that can alter test results. Now, speaking of application differences, there's many different ways to measure fiber in FTTX. And what I mean by that is most people will realize you want to measure from the central office to the cabinet in the field, and you want to measure the loss characteristics and the distance of that fiber. And then you're going to want to measure the drop cable after the splitter to the residence and the length and the loss characteristics of that cable. It's rare and also well known that usually you do not measure an OTDR or test with an OTDR straight through the splitter. And the reason for that is the most common splitter size today is a 1x32. And it has a loss just by itself of roughly 15 dBs. Probably 14.87, but let's just call it 15 dBs. The reason you don't measure through the splitter in FTTX applications is because of that loss factor. 
Everything else after that will become very, very blurred and not easy to see and not be separated as far as traces and things like that. Can you measure through a splitter? Sure, if you want to, but if you're not expecting or you have not seen that type of significant loss that splitters will cause, it will cause you to stop and maybe do some unnecessary troubleshooting or just spending time that you don't have. Splitters themselves come fully measured, reference specifications from the manufacturer. They'll tell you what the expected loss should be, both in actual and in theoretical losses. The split ratio will determine the loss of that splitter, meaning a 1x8 splitter has a loss of 9 dB as a random example. A 1x32 has a loss of 15 dB. And we now have splitters that go to 1 to 64, 1x128, 1x256, 1x512, 1x1024. So the more splits you have, the higher the loss value that that splitter component is going to have and contribute to that system. But traditionally, whenever splitters are involved, you measure from the central office to the network cabinet, then measure from the drop cable that's going to come after the splitter to the residence. Generally, you don't measure through the splitter. And for the main reason that, especially when you get into the really high count splitters, you can start challenging the actual dynamic range or power capability that the OTDR actually has. Very similar to traditional long haul testing, when you're testing cables of such extreme length that you literally have selected the largest pulse width that you have and it's still dying out. So the only thing you can give the OTDR is more time to average and refine the trace and the quality of it. That's very much the same scenario in the case with FTTX. You get into the 1x128s, 1x512s and above, there's such a loss at that splitter that everything else that you're looking for afterwards will be very, very difficult to see. And just to wrap up the topic of OTDRs, your loss table. Your loss table is your treasure map where all of your information exists. All these different types of events you will find in your loss tables, reflective events, non-reflective events, ghosts, gainers. You'll find individual results. You'll find cumulative results. You'll find your distance measurements of each individual segment or leg of your fiber optic system from one to the next. You'll find your reflectivity numbers for a section or span versus a cumulative number overall, which is why even if you have one bad connector in your system, everything else is pristine, but you have one bad connector located somewhere that can throw off your cumulative measurements, which is why your OTDRs generally will use the color red to flag anything that's either near limit or over the limit of and will tell you that you've got a problem. Overall, your system is great, except that one connector threw off the cumulative average of all combined measurements, and now you're either marginal or you have failed that test result. So that's why individual measurements and cumulative measurements exist, so you can see them either specifically or you can see them collectively. With that, that wraps up OTDRs. I'll be back in episode 11 with Optical Loss Test Sets. I'm your host, Sean Sheedy. Thanks again for tuning into the Telcom Corner Cafe podcast.